Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Ocean State Sidelines. I'm Brandon McGear, sports writer with the Pawtucket Times One Soccer Call. Pleased to be joined for this latest episode by one of my favorite players I've ever had the opportunity to cover, and now he's back in Friartown for his second year, LaDante Henton. Officially title is special assistant to the head coach, but a lot of fans know him as one of the only two Friars to finish his career with 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds. LaDante, first of all, thanks for joining me for this latest episode. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. When you when you asked me to be on a, on a podcast, I thought it was a no-brainer. You know you're my guy. I appreciate those words. Um, LaDante, you graduated in 2015. Here it is, 2022. I feel like it's only yesterday since I remember seeing you play at the at the dunk, which we now call the Amica Mutual Pavilion. That's a story for another day. But um, does is it hit you that, you know, it's been seven years since you last played a game for the Friars, or does it feel like yesterday sometimes? Um, it, a lot of times it feels like yesterday. Um, when I'm here, it's like surreal being back in Friartown because this was like home for me, and it still is now to, the, to this day. So it, I felt like my journey always would lead me up to this point, and it, it happened sooner than I thought, but I'm loving it right now. I want to go back to 2011. You know, Ed Cooley was named PC head coach. And what was that like, those conversations like for you to want to come to continue to come to Providence? Because I believe, you know, Dayton was on the radar for you initially, but you ended up coming to Friartown. What were those conversations like with Ed Cooley back in the day when you were a high school senior? Yeah, I knew that I needed to get away from home. I needed uh, to get away from Michigan and I needed like, a place I can call home, a family away from home. And I also needed a mentor and like a, a kind of a father figure. And Coach Cooley would have those conversations with me and he provided all those things that I needed. So when I came on my visit to Providence College, it was a no brainer. This is the place I needed. I had opportunity here. I had the mentorship. I had a family and I had a home away from home. And I, and I felt that as soon as I arrived in Friartown. And your arrival coincided with the end of the old Big East, which was you you actually remember playing in the old Big East, like going to play Louisville, Syracuse, mm-hmm. and going down to, I believe, you know, other schools like South Florida. And all of a sudden the Big East changed, I think, your junior year. And that kind of, you know, started the launch, I think, of the trajectory of this current Friar way of success under Ed Cooley. What was it like for you playing in that old Big East where it was kind of, you know, lack of a better term, a gauntlet? No, it really was a gauntlet, um, but it was fun. Like being in high school as a senior, you watch the Big East tournament every year. Like that was like a mainstay. And just to be able to come here and, and get on a grind and, and get on a road and playing those games myself, it was like a dream come true. So I was actually living a dream. At, and you know, I was playing the hardest games possible, but it was it was a dream come true at the same time. So I just looked at it as another day, another game, and – Going on the road to Louisville was tough. Going to Syracuse was tough. But I was happy to be there, man. Absolutely. And then 2013-14 comes along, and there was some adversity on off the court. You guys lose Chris Dunn for the season. But then it became like the iron group of you. It was Tyler Harris, Carson DeRoches, Josh Fortune, of course, Bryce Cotton. You guys played – like, you guys never came off the court. And as a player – how much was that awesome knowing that I'm in there and unless there's foul trouble, I'm not coming out? Yeah, all those guys that you just named was underrated guys, underdogs, and we kind of had that mentality. 
So we took it. We tried to take advantage of each minute we got. We got a lot of minutes, and we wanted to take advantage of each one. We felt like we deserved it. We felt like we needed to show the world that what, what we was capable of because we was underrated our whole career. So that was the, a resilient group. I love playing with them. They were they were my they were my brothers then. They're my brothers now, and we built something special. You know, one game that specifically stood out. You know, you had a double double: twenty points, sixteen rebounds, double overtime win against Marquette at the dunk uh, March of 2014. You know, how much was that a kind of a signature game for that group, you know, going into the Big East tournament and, you know, just really propelled you to the success success that you guys had once you got to Madison Square Garden that year? Yeah, I remember that game like it was yesterday. It was a tough game, man. I just remember everybody being tired, but we felt like we couldn't lose that game. So we was going to go all out for it. And um, Marquette was good. They kept coming at us. And every every punch they throw, we would throw a counter right back. So that was like one of those battles, man. I just wanted to go out there and play my heart out and help my team win. And then you know, how often did you guys hear about the blue carpet, you know, conversation with Coach Cooley? He used to talk about, you know, we you want to get on that blue carpet. You want to get on that blue carpet. But, however, you need to put yourself in the position to get there, to get on that blue carpet. Yeah, for sure. That was, those was the open and honest conversations we would have amongst ourselves. And with the coaching staff, like we felt like we were a tournament tournament team that year. We was good enough and um, we just needed to go out there and show it. So that was our that was our focus to get make it to the tournament. So each game, that was our thing. Go win. Each win is getting us closer to the tournament, closer to the tournament. So we went out there balls to the wall and played our heart out every night. You did. And then, you know, you you beat Creighton for the Big East regular uh, Big East tournament championship. And then, you know, the tough game against North Carolina. You know, there's some games, obviously, that probably sting more than others. You know, how much do you think back to that Carolina game and thinking, man, we're up. You know, we have one of the true blue belts of the college basketball on the road, on the run. And, you know, it just uh, it ended up being what I think an offensive rebound putback late that kind of sealed the deal for the Tower Heels. But how much sometimes do you think back to those games and thinking, man, those are the ones that get away? I mean, I think about it all the time, you know, and I try to install those the the lessons that I've learned, the things that I went through in my career, I try to install it in those these guys so they won't make the same mistakes. I felt like we made a lot of mistakes. Like we had the game in our hand. Um, we just didn't pull it through. And I really wanted to pull it through for the seniors, mm-hmm. guys like Bryce Cotton, who played as tremendous that game. Like I just felt like we fell short. I felt like that team was built for a run. Mm-hmm. We had older guys. We had younger guys. We had a hungry, resilient group. But uh, it just happens like that. And I'm a strong believer that um, everything happens for a reason. And then, you know, you fast forward to your senior year, 2014-15. And I think, you know, that's probably one of the more talented teams of the Ed Cooley era. You were a senior. Chris Dunn was back fully healthy. You had the infusion of a talented freshman group. But it's kick-started down at Mohegan Sun that year with uh, the, um, I guess, the Hall of Fame tip-off, which the Friars will be going back to in November. You had a monster game, the championship game that you had against Notre Dame, 38 points. However, it was a altering shot that you your defense of Pat Connaughton that sealed the deal, and I believe a one-point win. How much often do you think of that, and you think of what Pat Connaughton has gone on to achieve becoming an NBA champion and thinking, you know what, I got that guy at least for that day. Right, right. Um, that was a good game, man. That was like a home home game away from home. Um, the fans in there was amazing. The the energy was just so much for Friartown. 
Um, and I remember just the coaching staff and, and my teammates just saying, like, keep it going, keep it going. Coaches drawing up a bunch of plays for me. The hoop looked like an ocean that day. Uh, and just going up against a guy like Pat Connington was, was good. He was big time. He's a big time person as well. I got to meet him after playing playing um, professionally. So it was good, man. That was just one of those highlights in my career that I can look back on and, and be proud and happy about because we pulled out the win that day as well. You know, you graduate, you know, you make it to the tournament for a second straight year, but then it's time to transition to life after Providence College. And it started with being on the NBA Summer League team for the Warriors. And eventually that led you to the connection with uh, Michael Thompson, Clay Thompson's younger brother. You played with him with the uh, Santa Cruz Warriors, which is their G League affiliate. Just talk about how much uh, that, you know, relationship with Michael Thompson, how it came about and how much it means to you still to this day. Yeah, that was that was a great time in my life playing in Santa Cruz. It was it's a great run organization from top to bottom, coming from Golden State to to Santa Cruz. So it was a good experience, and uh, I felt like I had a good year there. Met some great guys, had a bunch of great teammates, and Michael Thompson was one of them. He was big time, man, and uh, I would spend time with him after games, and we'd go out to eat, go to dinner, and go down to Clay House and spend time out in San Francisco whenever we had free time. He's one of my good friends in, in basketball, and that's kind of the, the journey, right, man? You meet people that you never thought you would cross paths with, and you become good friends with them. And still, that opportunity led you to go attend an NBA Finals game this last, this past year. Just uh, how much you – and also, too, when uh, when uh, Michael came to the dunk, I think, a few years ago to play in the Big Three, you know, it's – you still have that connection with him, even though sometimes your basketball path might differ from what he's going through. Yeah, yeah. Once he found out he was coming out to Providence, he hit me up and made sure we linked up and we had dinner together and I went and watched him play and went to go support him. He's a, he's a good friend of mine. So whenever we are we are in the same spot or same place, we're going to meet up and kind of catch up every time. So he's one of my good friends. Spain, Philippines, Hungary, Israel, and Taiwan. Those are the stops you made as professional. How much did your game, being so versatile, where, you know, you can score inside, you can shoot from the outside, crash the boards, you know, that allowed you to flourish no matter what stop you uh, went on during your uh, pro journey? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was known as a scorer, um, as a professional, but I also could do other things. Um, I always played hard. I always left everything out on the court. So those places was easy to adjust to. Uh, they Everywhere I went, they asked me to score the ball in a variety of ways, right? Inside, outside. Um, but those was great places to play. Like, I was fortunate. Spain, Israel, Philippines, Taiwan, a lot of those places, like you said, was beautiful places with good people. Like, those organizations I was in was well-run organizations that um, I'm proud to say that I played for. And it was part of my journey. So I, w I wouldn't change nothing for the world, man. I was blessed. Becoming a father, LaDante, how much did that change your viewpoint in terms of, you know, I've had a great run, maybe playing-wise, and maybe I wish I could have squeezed out a couple more years, but it's time to transition and think, you know, I want to be there for my uh, for my daughter and kind of think, you know, but I still want to be involved in basketball in some capacity. How much did becoming a father change your viewpoint on life? It changed my viewpoint a lot. Um, but I'll just say, like, I don't look at it like I could still be playing basketball or things of that sort. Like, I feel like this is my purpose right here, being here with this team in Friar Town. Like, I'm, I feel like I'm right where I'm supposed to be at in life. Uh, I have no regrets. 
I'm very content and happy where I'm at. Like I'm living my dream and living the life right now. But um, it came time to, came time to make a decision. Um, coach called me with this offer on the table, and I still had offers to go play. And my daughter played a major role in that, you know. And during the time COVID had just happened, so wherever I went to go play at, she wouldn't have been able to go with me. So that played a major role in making me in me making the decision to to retire and hang it up and be around my family and my daughter a little little more. And also it helped me prevent like any serious injuries. Like I felt like the decision was a no brainer to to hang it up and further my my future and have a longer career, which is coaching basketball rather than playing. Was it almost like you were re-recruited by Coach Cooley? Um, no, I wouldn't say re-recruited because we would have these conversations before it even happened. Like when I was playing in college, coach used to tell me, like, but when you're done playing the game, like I got a job for you, I got a spot for you, you'll be good at this, you'll be good at this. So I always had that in the back of my head. So we made the phone call. It was just a decision to be made. It wasn't no recruiting. He's like, but this is what we got. This is the opportunity. I think you should do it. And as a, a, my mentor and kind of my life coach, I trust him. And it, it was a great decision. And you get to PC and, you know, you're not that far removed age-wise from the guys that even played last season. How much do you think, you know, having that connection and understanding what it's like to be a basketball player at Providence College allowed you to maybe make quick inroads with the group from last year? Yeah, I think that they that played a major role. Um, being close in age with the guys, being like a big brother to them, being able to talk to them and, and speak their language. Um I've been there before. I've seen it before. I, I know what road, road you're about to go down. Um, there's nothing you're going to see that I haven't seen. And I played for Coach Cooley. So I know what he expects from me. Simple. And I know what it takes to be a professional, which I played six or seven years. So it was a great relationship, and the guys was all ears. They listened to me. And I was like a big brother and a mentor to them. And, and that's what I wanted to be. And that's what I want to continue to be, just a mentor to these guys and showing these the guy, these guys the way to be successful in basketball and also in life. As last season unfolded, could you go back in time to that 2013-14 group that won the Big East tournament and see the parallels between your group, how special they were, and how this special last year's group was becoming? I think it's like two common denominators with those teams. It's the work ethic, the time they put in the gym, like very common. Um, very similar. Like the, these guys lived in a lived in a gym, and we did also. And I think the other thing is the cohesiveness, the chemistry the guys had off the court and on the court. That matters. Those two simple things matters, man. Like, and that's that equals winning. Being cohesive, having chemistry, on and off the court, and also putting the time in in the gym. Those things is like inevitable, like to a winning program. How much, you know, you look forward to, you know, just seeing what this group, this 2022-23 group has the chance to become. And you were around them all summer. You had a chance to maybe see them grow that chemistry. We saw Ivan Thomas with the Breakfast Club. And how much do you think those intangibles that were built over the summer can, has the potential to at least lead to make a special season this upcoming year? I love the group we have now. They're great guys, great guys. They live in a gym. They put their time in. So that's step one, right, out of, out of the two. They're putting the time in. We just got a new group, uh, seven, eight new guys. 
that haven't played together, that's not familiar with with Friar Town. So we just got to put it together. It's part of the process. It's like chemistry. Like we we making everything. It's like we we got to put it all together and see how cohesive we can be when we hit adversity. And I think they'll do well. Like my, I, I believe in us. I believe in this group. I think they got the talent. They got everything it takes to be successful. You know, obviously we talked about how special and important Ed Cooley is in your life, but to do this at your alma mater, how satisfying is that for you? Uh, it means the world to me. Like uh, like I said earlier, I'm living a dream, right? And I want to continue to, to, to give back to these young men and show them the way to be successful. And I know they all want to be professionals. And I want them to live out their dreams the way I did. So I'm living I'm living my life, man, and I'm loving it. And Friar Town has always been good to me. And I just want to give back and be good to Friar Town. We're going to do uh, I'm going to throw a, a former teammate's name or coach at you. And you can say the first thing that pops in your mind. Let's uh, let's start with the Iron Man himself, uh, Bryce Cotton. Um, Bryce Cotton. Great teammate and probably the best scorer I've played with. Kadeem Bats. Hard worker and he's resilient. Chris Dunn. My brother and the funniest guy I know. <laughs> Ted Bancroft. Ted Bancroft. Um, he's also a funny guy. But everything, everything uh, Ted do it does in life leads leads to success. Carson DeRoches. That was my my roommate and uh, one of the best teammates I've ever had, and uh, one of my close friends. Junior Lamamba. Junior Lamamba, um, uh, everything guy. Um, a guy that you can always depend on and, and go to war with. Ben Bentel. Uh, he's like a, a little brother to me, um, a big time professional, and he lives in the gym. Nobody's going to outwork him. Kyron Cartwright. Kyron Cartwright right, is a big time pastor. Uh, I call him a point god. <laughs> Um, I remember used to seeing videos of you working out with this guy um, during the summer. God Sham God. God Sham God is a mentor to me, a big brother, a guy, a guy I lean on in times of need of knowledge of the game that somebody that's similar to the role that I'm playing now. I've been there before, seen it, and just giving it back to these guys, and he did the same for me. Well, that should do it for this week's episode of Ocean State Sidelines. I would like to thank LaDante Henton for the time. And it's a it's a busy time, obviously, for the Friars because it's almost recruiting season. That never takes the time off, but it's September. And pretty soon uh, it will be the official start of college basketball season. And uh, LaDante, looking forward to seeing you uh, around uh, campus and at the, at the, I was almost going to say the dunk, the AMP. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, man. Go Friars. Go Friars, and uh, we'll be back with a fresh episode pretty soon, guys. But until then, take care, everyone, and thanks for listening.